This morning's reading will be from Matthew 28, verse 16 to 20, and it's on page 706. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Morning, everybody. My name is Scott. It's good to be here with you. Uh, There are certain topics, aren't there, that no matter who you are, uh, you have an opinion about it. Certain topics that everyone reacts to. Here are two non-examples. I've lost my pointer. Can you hit the next slide for us, please? Thank you. I've completely lost it. I'm going to be pointing at you throughout the morning, Micah. When that happens... Yeah, you're going to click next? Thanks, brother. The federal budget was delivered this week, and some people were super interested. The rest of us, eh, maybe this is the first you're finding out about it. Yesterday, the showdown took place, and again, for some of us, this is what we're deeply invested in. But for other of us, we probably don't even know what the showdown is, except for that picture. Thanks, Micah. So there are some topics that, that kind of some people care about and others don't. And there are other topics where all of us are deeply invested. I've just found the pointer. <laughs> this was something that I was invested in. I don't know about you. Christian mission is something that I think all of us have an opinion about. Whether you call it mission or evangelism, proselytizing, gospeling, whatever, mission causes a reaction in us, doesn't it, when we hear those words. If you're not a Christian, you probably have a negative reaction. Maybe you have a different religious view and you don't want people to try and, try and convince you all the time to change your religion. Maybe you don't care for any religion at all and you just wish that those Christians would shut up about Jesus. Maybe you are a Christian and you still have a negative reaction to the idea of mission. Because sharing your faith, that that kind of makes you tense up whenever anyone talks about it. It's scary. I remember when I was doing my ministry apprenticeship, it was Monday morning, staff meeting, and the the senior pastor came in and he said, guys, staff meeting is cancelled for the day. Instead, what we're going to do is pair up and go out and do some street evangelism. Instantly, my stomach tightened. My palms grew sweaty. I wanted to be anywhere but there in that moment. But then again, maybe, maybe you're a Christian and see, talking about mission actually gets you really excited. You're all for it. You love it. And most of the time you wonder why the rest of the church isn't on board with you. And it's easy for us to see, isn't it, why someone would be excited about this. Excited about mission. After all, the gospel is good news. Good news such that if you trust Jesus, he will give you blissful, eternal existence. I mean, that has got to be the most stunning offer 
that you could ever make to another person. But at the same time, it's easy, isn't it? It's easy to see why you might find mission hard. See, for mission to be mission, we must speak a message. And that message contains some very confronting things. The Christian message says that there is one God and and only one God. The Christian message says that God made everything. He gave you life. He gave you everything that is good. But you rejected him. You took the life and all the good gifts and you just said, I don't want anything to do with God. The Christian message says that because you reject God, God will judge you. And more than that, the Christian message says that it's right for God to judge you. The Christian message does say that there's hope. It says that there's hope found in Jesus. See, he lived a perfect life. He never rejected God, always did the right thing. And yet he died a criminal's death. And in doing so, he paid the penalty for us rejecting God. Three days later, he rose from the dead, showing that he has victory over death. And so there is hope, and that hope is found in Jesus and only in Jesus. The Christian message says that if you go to any other God, any other person, any other worldview or philosophy, your situation is hopeless. See, the Christian message is confronting. And if you're a Christian and you're trying to tell your mates, well, you can see how it's a daunting thing. And if you're the friend and your Christian buddy keeps trying to tell you about the Christian message, well, it's easy to see how your your friend could seem just rude. Mission is one of those topics that we all just have a reaction to, don't we? Today we're continuing our five-week series looking at the five big purposes for church. Last week we thought about magnification. Magnification. In all of our lives, we want God to be magnified. We want God to be seen for the great God that he really is. And this week we turn to the second big purpose, mission. The idea of mission is that we want to see people saved and converted into followers of Jesus. Now, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, you might think it's it's going to be a very odd meeting to be part of. But actually, I'm really glad that you're here. I'm really glad because today I hope you catch a bit of the heart of why your friend wants to talk with you about Jesus so much. Why your friend is so compelled by Jesus, even so much that your friend will talk with you about Jesus. And I hope that next time, maybe you you might be more likely to give your friend a a hearing, hear what they say. But if you're here today and you're a Christian, the message I want you to hear is very simple. It's just this. Be on mission. Maybe you already are on mission. Maybe your life is full of being on mission. And today will be encouragement just to keep going. But I suspect there are some of us here who, well, we're not on mission in our lives. And today will probably hit us hard at points. I want to be upfront about that. And I also want to be upfront in saying, my aim is not actually to bash you at that point. And I do hope you don't walk away dispirited today. Um, but I hope you walk away with a greater picture of Jesus 
and understanding how you can be part of his mission. So you're right at the end. We're going to go through some nitty-gritty practical details, things I hope that all of us, no matter where we're at, all of us can do. And so I, I want us all to walk away today being on mission. We've got a lot to cover, don't we? So I'm going to pray that God would help us, and then we'll get into it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gospel message, the gospel message that saves. Help us hear this word today from the Bible. And for those of us who find mission scary, we pray that today we'd be convicted of the truth, that you would allay our fears, and you would help us see how we can be on mission. And for those of us who are already excited about mission, please help us grow in our keenness today. And also help us to care for our brothers and sisters who find it harder than we do. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I've already given away the main point for today, haven't I? Be on mission. But here's the first point for today. Be on mission for Jesus' sake. Be on mission for Jesus' sake. Take a look again at Matthew 28. That's the passage you just read out. Jesus has just risen from the dead. He's here with his 11 closest followers. And what is it that he tells them? What does he say at this point? Matthew 28, verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus has been given all authority. That is a huge claim. Jesus is saying that there is no place where he's not in charge. It doesn't matter if you're in heaven or on earth. Everywhere, Jesus has authority. Where do you think Jesus has no authority? Might it be in China, where being part of a church means you have to live underground? You can't really talk about it? Maybe it's in France, where where they've left the Christian message behind it. Maybe it's in Iran or Afghanistan, places where Islam is the norm. Maybe it's in, on Hindley Street on a Friday night with the booze and the beer. Maybe it's, it's in the locker room of your sporting team. Maybe it's in your workplace. No, no. Jesus is saying, even in those places, I have authority. See, in every place, over every person... There is one who's in command, one who's in charge, one who has authority. And that one is Jesus. Last week, we were thinking about magnification. Magnification is the first and biggest purpose of our church and and all of Christian life. When we talk about magnification, we don't mean that something is very little and we want to make it appear big to us. And magnification says that God is huge, God is massive and God is brilliant. And in magnification, by that we mean we just want to understand something of God's brilliance and respond to him in all of life worship. And can you see how that's true of Jesus here? Jesus is much bigger than we ever really knew. He rules every place. Whether you're on the, on the top of Mount Everest or down in the depths of the ocean, it doesn't matter if you're in the hustle and bustle of of life in the middle of New York City or in the deserts of South Australia, Jesus is in charge. And so it's right for us to live under Jesus' authority, isn't it? To respect his authority, to listen to him, to do what he says. Even more, 
It's right for us. No, no, no. It's, it's right for everyone to worship Jesus. That's what we saw in Revelation chapter 5 last week. It's right for everyone to worship Jesus. But is that what's happening? No. No, it is not. And that's heartbreaking. Every person owes a lifetime of worship to Jesus. But Jesus receives so little worship in our world. And so here is our first and primary reason for mission. Jesus deserves all worship, all honour, all glory, but he's not getting it. He's being robbed of the worship that he deserves. And so we go on mission so that people will live under Jesus' authority, so that people will live under Jesus and worship him. That's why we go on mission. I wonder then, uh, do you feel the weight of this? Do, do you feel the sadness of this? That our Lord, who should be worshipped by all, but his worship is being given over to other things. The worship that belongs to him is given over to other gods. I wonder if this is one of the top few reasons why we actually find mission hard. I don't feel the wrongness of life when Jesus isn't worshipped. It doesn't sadden me. And so mission always is kind of blah. Now we need to regain a passion for the glory of Jesus. We need to regain our desire to see him being worshipped, to receive the worship that he deserves, that it's right for him to have. See, we can learn all the skills and be equipped really well for mission. But unless we have that heart that loves Jesus and loves Jesus most, unless we have that heart that feels grieved when Jesus isn't being honoured, I think we're always going to find mission hard. There are other reasons why we would be on mission. But this is our first reason, our primary reason for mission. Jesus deserves all worship. So we want others to come. We invite others to come and live under Jesus' authority. So be on mission and be on mission for Jesus' sake. And be on mission everywhere. That's our second point for today. Be on mission everywhere. Look again at Matthew 28. I'll read from verse 18 again. Then Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. You notice what the key word is there? It's therefore. The second sentence, in the second sentence, Jesus gives us a command. He says, go and make disciples. Why? Why should we do that? Well, it only makes sense in light of the first sentence. In the first sentence, we see that Jesus has all authority. So that's why we go and make disciples of all nations. If Jesus doesn't have authority, we might as well just give up on mission. Let people choose which authority they want to live under. Let them go and do that. But Jesus has all authority, so all people need to be called to live under him, to be his disciples. We're called to make disciples of all nations, and that is what we're doing at TNE. I'm sure we can't go everywhere, I know that. 
And so what we do with our money and our prayers and our support, we actually we, we send other people who can and should go overseas, and they're going to all places. We make sure mission happens through our link missionaries. And even more so, we do actually send people out from us. We do even send pastors out from us. Last, just a couple of years ago, we sent Mike Sams and, and 40 or so of us. We went up to Golden Grove to start a new church there. And by God's grace, they're making Jesus known and they're making new disciples of Jesus in that place. And sure, it's only just up the road, but let's be honest with ourselves. The people at Golden Grove need to know about Jesus just as much as the people anywhere else. Which is why, again, in a couple of years, we're praying that God might use us to start another church somewhere else around Adelaide. We'll send more people away. Because Jesus has authority everywhere, not just here at TNE, but everywhere. And so we want to see disciples being made everywhere. But before we get too distracted by the going aspect, I want us to see that the stress of this command is actually on make disciples. See, it's good and right for us to support our missionaries. It's good and right for us to support our, uh, our church, uh, starting new churches. But don't stop there. Because they are not the biggest way we obey this command to be on mission. The biggest way we obey this command is that we actually be on mission ourselves. See, Jesus isn't, he's not telling us to go as much as he's saying Make disciples as you go. Another way of saying this would be, you know, wherever it is you happen to go, there, where you are, that's where you make disciples. So we don't have to go overseas to be on mission. Mission just begins when we walk out of the front door every morning. Let, let, me, let me tell you what I mean. We, we meet here in Modbury. This is where we do church. Uh, Modbury is our mission field. If you go to work, your workplace is your mission field. I know you have a job to do there and you should do it. You need to be responsible with your job. But, but don't neglect the mission field that God has put you in. Do you go to the school gate to pick up your kids with all the other parents there? There's your mission field, the parents. Are you still at school? There's your mission field. The friends you spend all day with. Do you play sport in a team with other people? There's your mission field. Are you part of a hobby group that you do stuff together with? Well, there's your mission field. Uh, and you get the point. I could go on, but you get the point. Here's, as you go, wherever it is you happen to be, be on mission. And notice that this isn't something just for the super-duper Christians either. Uh, look at what Jesus says. As he, as he says to these 11 disciples to go out and make disciples, what does he say they should do? Well, they're looking for people to be converted. But then he says, make sure that you teach them everything that I've commanded you. Everything that I've commanded you. Everything including this command. To go and make disciples. See, this is something for all of us. We're all called to be missionaries. We all have our mission fields. So, friends, be on mission. No matter where you go, no matter what you do, no matter where you are, wherever you are, that's the place for you to be on mission. And be on mission because you live in the age of mission possible. 
You live in the age of mission possible. That's the third point for today. This is just what we were talking about in the kids' talk before. Matthew 28, verse 20. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. These are comforting words from Jesus, aren't they? These are comforting words. Notice two things. First, Jesus, uh, sorry, mission is Jesus' program. Right from when he gave this command to when he returns in glory, mission is Jesus' program. Mission is the game. We live in the age of doing mission. Notice, secondly, Jesus is with us. As we go to make disciples, Jesus is with us. See, being on mission is hard, isn't it? It's tough. It puts me well out of my comfort zone. How can I possibly make a disciple of anyone else? But I can. And it's not because I'm brilliant. It's because Jesus is with me. He's given me his word. He's with me. And he can do it. We live in the age of mission. And Jesus is with us. So that mission is possible. We live in the age of mission possible. I've been reading this book recently. Uh, it's called Honest Evangelism. Some of you would have read it. Really good book. Um, it got the name Honest Evangelism because the author wants to be quite frank with us about what it's like to do evangelism. And as part of being honest about evangelism, he has this thing that he calls the pain line. The pain line is it's a thing that stops us from saying more about Jesus. It's the line we don't cross because if we do cross it, we know we're going to get hurt. So I'm happy uh, for my friends at work to know that I'm a Christian, to know that I go to church. But if I start talking with them a little bit more about Jesus, well, I might face ridicule. I might face some kind of rejection. They might think I'm a bit weird. I might be kind of left out. And so I just don't go there because I know it's going to hurt me. I know I have to cross the pain line. And for most of us, this is where mission gets hard. This is why we stop. We don't want to get hurt. I want to stay, I want to stay safe. I want to stay on the safe side of the pain line. And let's be real. If I'm doing mission alone, I will never cross the pain line. Never. It's only when I know that Jesus is with me it's only when I'm aware of that reality that I'll actually cross the pain line. That's when I'm prepared to step out of my comfort zone. Even more than that, it's only when I'm aware that Jesus is with me, it's only then that I might actually expect my friend to become a Christian. Because Jesus is there. And I know I can't convince my friend to do it. I can't make a disciple of anyone, but Jesus can. And he does, and he's there with me. But still I know, even if things go bad, I know I'm not alone. In that moment, Jesus is still with me. So friends, when the time comes, and when that pain line stands in front of you, you can stay on the safe side or you can cross the pain line. At that moment, what will you do? Let me encourage you. Be on mission. Because we live in the age of, of mission. 
We live in the age when Jesus is with us to make mission happen, to make mission possible. Cross the pain line. So there we have three big points about mission. Be on mission for Jesus' sake. Be on mission everywhere you go. Be on mission because you live in the age of mission possible. The fourth point today I've called being on mission. And here I want to get into some of the nitty-gritty, some of the real practical elements. What does it look like to be on mission? These are three things I think that we can all do to be on mission. And the first of these is, is just to talk. Talk about what it's like to be on mission. Talk with one another, I mean, about what it's like to be on mission. When we talk about mission... When we talk about the, having a crack ourselves, you might notice that we'll encourage one another. And we'll see that it's something that it's not just for the super-duper Christians that, to do, but it's actually something that we can all do. So with that in mind, I'm going to invite Jacinta up here. Come on up, Jacinta. Uh, Jacinta's going to come on up, and we're just going to talk about what it's like for Jacinta to be on mission. Take that mic. Um, Jacinta, obviously, if I've got you to be up here, it must mean you're doing something kind of special, right? No, <laughs> not really. Okay, well, let's, let's hear about it then. Uh, one of the mission fields God has placed you in is your workplace. Tell us, where do you work? Um, yeah, I work for Guide Dogs SA as a street fundraiser. Okay, and, and who are the people you're working with? What's your workplace like? Yeah, so we've got like an overall team of about uh, 13 people or so, but we work in smaller groups of two to three people uh, so on the streets. you'd see those people pretty regularly? Yep. Nice, nice. Now, you were telling me before that um, most of your workmates know you're a Christian. Yep. How'd that happen? Um, yeah, I think when I started, it was kind of just like late November. Um, so, you know, everyone's already in a festive kind of mindset. It's just talking about plans for Christmas and... I don't know what you do on the weekends and, so, you know, church came up because it's a pretty big part of Christmas, you know, the whole Jesus getting born story and everything. So, yeah, yeah, pretty much do that. Uh, so, okay, you're in this workplace, um, smallish team, 13 or so. They know you're a Christian. Um, I just spoke about crossing the pain line. Is there a moment in your work environment where you did that, where you crossed over the pain line? Um, yeah, definitely. Um, Tell us about it. Yeah, I think just before the Mark drama, it was like our last big rehearsal. Um, and I've been thinking for a fortnight or so whether to invite a couple of my workmates along. And, you know, I was umming and ahhing and pretty much like, oh, no, I don't really want to, but you're good. Yeah. Um, and then I did anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, that was definitely crossing a pain line. And what made you do it at that point? Why cross the pain line? Yeah, I think just being involved in the rehearsals could see, I don't know, just how authentically it was, you know, sharing about what Jesus was actually like and, you know, the whole gospel message. Um, remembering that I guess the eternal perspective is much more important than my temporary awkwardness. Uh, as you were doing that, what in your mind, what was going through, what do you think is the worst that could happen? Um, I guess that, I don't know, they would say no and think I'm slightly weird. <laughs> <laughs> and and on, the, on the contrary side, then, what, what was the uh, best thing that you thought maybe might happen out of doing this? Yeah, well, I mean, first and foremost, that they would, you know, hear the gospel message, understand, um, you know, who God is and what he's done for them. Mm -hmm. Um, That would challenge them to, I guess, think deeper about, you know, what he could be like in their lives or, you know, what, yeah, his role is for them. And so what's it been like after you invited your friends along to the Mark drama? What was it like afterwards talking with them about the kind of things that they saw in Mark drama? 
Yeah, I think a lot of it kind of took them by surprise. So the conversation afterwards was pretty gentle and, you know, we're trying to pick out a few highlights or things that they didn't um, make a whole lot of sense to them. Yeah. Um, but now they ripped into me pretty hard okay. <laughs> in okay. the following weeks. Okay, so it wasn't all good. Um, it sounds like there was some hard things. What actually kept you going? What, what, what made you persist uh, in, in talking about Jesus with your workmates then? Yeah, I mean, just remembering that, you know, Jesus is completely good. And, you know, what he's done for us is actually amazing. Um, but also, yeah, it's an eternal, you know, kind of thing that we're talking about. It's no small deal. So, mm. yeah. Brilliant. Uh, and has it all been bad then, Jacinta? <laughs> no, not at all. Good. Um, <laughs> since following that, because I think, yeah, most of my workmates do know that I'm a Christian. Um, so one run, random occasion, one of them just started asking me, you know, all about my faith, you know, why do I go to church? What do I believe? Who is God? Who is Jesus? Um, yeah, just, you know, really nice kind of genuine conversation. So, yeah, all very uplifting and positive. So, Brilliant, yeah. brilliant. Why don't, why don't we just pause for a moment and pray for Jacinta's workmates. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful to you that you give us a message that is wonderful, that has an eternal uh, consequence to it. We wanted to pray for Jacinta's workmates and ask that you would keep working in them, that they might keep coming up with questions for Jacinta, that you might open doors for Jacinta to talk more about Jesus amongst them. We pray for those 13 people, that they would come to know the Lord Jesus and inherit life in him. Please keep Jacinta uh, looking for ways to speak about you in her workplace. Amen. Thank you, Jacinta. Thanks for being... Give her a clap. Thanks for doing that awkward thing of starting the conversation for us. Um, I hope you can see that there isn't actually anything really special about what Jacinta's doing there. In fact, it's something that we can all do. And so that's what I want to encourage you. Talk with one another. See how it is that uh, somebody else is being on mission in their life. Talk with one another and encourage one another to do it all the more. We're in this together, friends. So that's the first thing. Talk about it. Talk with one another about it. Share your stories. The second thing is pray. Over the last year or so, the evangelism team has done a great job for us. They've done a great job. Last year they got us praying constantly for our friends in our community groups. And I want to urge us today just to keep building on that, building on that foundation of praying. Prayer must be the heartbeat of mission. We pray, we must pray, because we know that it is God who changes hearts. Being on mission will always involve more than praying. Right? We are actually building real friendships with people. We are actually speaking about Jesus with them. But being on mission can never be less than praying. Once we stop praying, we've lost the game. So let's pray. And let's pray regularly. And I want to suggest this. Be praying for five friends. Five people who don't know Jesus. Five people who aren't Christians. Uh, why five? There are five days in the working week. You've got five friends. It kind of matches up nicely, doesn't it? Uh, one a day. I call it five friends, five days. If we're all praying for five friends in our church, that's, that's over a thousand prayers to God each week. A thousand pleas for God to save a thousand different people. How would it be if that was... 
That was just part of our culture at Tenny. That's what we did week after week after week. How good would that be? Maybe you haven't got five non-Christian friends. If I'm honest, that's me. We moved here uh, a few months ago, and honestly, I, I just haven't met that many people outside of church yet. So maybe I can't be part of five friends five days, but I can. Maybe I have two friends, uh, so Monday, Tuesday, they're taken up, but Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I pray that God would help me find other friends, people whose lives I can invest in, people who I can build a friendship with, people who I can speak with about Jesus. Even if I don't have those five friends yet, I can still be part of these five friends five days. I'd love to see this become part of our culture here. That it would just be normal for us to, to walk up to one another and, and, and chat about our five friends, to, to keep encouraging each other to pray, to, to keep looking out for opportunities, to encourage each other to, to maybe even cross the pain line with some of our friends. Wouldn't that be great? Five friends, five days? So, are you in? I, I want to urge you today, go home, write down the names of those five friends and start praying. Tomorrow's, tomorrow's Monday. That's when, we start. that's when we start as a church. Tomorrow, Monday the 14th of May, 2018. That's when T&E starts, five friends, five days. Are you in? Are you going to do it? Let's do this together, friends. Five friends, five days. A thousand prayers a week to God. A thousand pleas for people's lives. Let's do it. Five friends, five days. Are you in? One final bit of nitty-gritty practical stuff. We've said talk, we've said pray, and third, I want to say take the next step. Take the next step. Wherever you're at, take the next step in talking about Jesus. What does that mean? Let me try and flesh that out a little bit for us. Some of us here will find mission daunting. And so what could it be like to take the next step for that person? Well, it could be something just as simple as this. It's simple as letting, the, letting your workmates know that you go to church. That's what Jacinta did. Um, see, when you're all around the, the water cooler on Monday morning and all the conversation is, what did you do on the weekend? I did this, I did that. If, if mission is very daunting for you, maybe the next step is just, say, just to say, well, I went to church. Maybe some of us are already there. We're in maybe our workout class and everyone knows that we go to church. And what's the next step for us? Well, maybe it's just starting to have some deeper conversations with our friends. Asking some questions to try and understand the way they think about the world and about life. Things like, so what are you hoping for this year? What do you want out of life? What do you, what do you think about this issue or that issue? Take the next step. Maybe you're, maybe you're already there. Maybe you do talk about these deeper kind of things with your friends. And the next step is actually ask them, to ask them what they think about God. Man, Gary, you know I'm a Christian. You know I go to church. I've just been curious. Um, would you mind sharing with me? What, what do you think about God? Maybe you're already there. Maybe you are talking about God with your friends. And the next step is to actually ask your, your teammates, your sporting team, about Jesus, what they think about Jesus. You know, or uh, so many Christians in Australia, so many non-Christians in Australia even, Believe in God. But it gets pointy when we start talking about Jesus. Ask me, what do you think about Jesus? Tell me what you think. 
Maybe you're already gone there with your friends. You're having conversations about God and Jesus, and you're kind of frustrated because you're just you're asking the right questions. You're, you're putting yourself out there, but it gets nowhere. And what do you do then? Maybe the next step for you is just to spend some more time with your mates. Spend time with them, doing the things that they do, going to their things, investing in them, making sure the relationship keeps building. And, and as you're doing that, keep giving it a crack and keep praying. I don't know exactly what the next step is for you, but whatever it is, I hope that today's helped kind of get the creative juices flowing so we can see there is a next step. There is a next step that's possible. You know, we're not all asked to be Billy Graham up the front of 80,000 people preaching the gospel. But what is the next step that you could do? So friends, be on mission. Be on mission. Talk about it with one another. Share your stories. Encourage one another. Be on mission and be on mission by praying. Join us. Let's do five friends five days. Let's make that part of our culture here at TNE. And be on mission. Whatever it is for you, try taking that next step. Be on mission. I'll be praying for you this week, brothers and sisters. I will. Uh, we have staff meeting tomorrow. I'm going to make sure at staff meeting we pray for us that we would be on mission. Why don't I pray now as well? Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we praise you for our Lord Jesus. We praise you that he is Lord of all, the one who has all authority. Please help us be grieved when we see people mistreating Jesus, when we see people giving their worship over to other things. Please help us be grieved and so to lovingly speak the gospel. Father, wherever we go this week, Help us be on mission. Help us see the mission fields that you have placed us in and talk about Jesus. Father, we thank you that Christ is with us. No matter where we go, that he is with us so that we don't do mission alone. And so, God, we ask, please help us be on mission. Please help us talk about it with one another. Please help us be prayers. And please help us to try out a next step, to give it a go, to make sure that Christ is on the agenda, to make sure that we're being on mission in all of our lives. We need your help with this, Lord God. On our own, we have no strength. But with you, we know that this is possible. So we pray, Father, please be with us as we're on mission this week and always. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen.